Hello, beautiful people. Quick question. Have you ever thought to yourself, I've been passed up for a promotion, but I don't understand why? Or I want to change in my career, but where do I even begin? We know we're not the only ones that have had these questions. And that's why we started this podcast. It's called Career Gems for the Journey. And we hope that as you listen, you'll discover some gems for your career journey. I'm Leah Murphy, and I wear many hats. I'll tell you about three of them. I'm an engineer by trade, a career coach, and an entrepreneur, all while working to stay happily married and raise three children. And my name is Alma Gordon. I'm a brand marketer, entrepreneur, and serial passion pursuer with a business approach to my endeavors, but always with a creative spin. And we're two really great friends that have supported one another throughout our professional careers. I mean, we've been through it all, and we're here to share some authentic stories, key successes, and setbacks. You're not going to want to miss this. Hello, beautiful people. Good to be back with you. This is Leah. And this is Ama. Welcome back, guys and gals and everyone who's here with us today. Oh, great people. So welcome to another episode of Career Gems for the Journey. And we are going to tell you again that we're excited because we tell you that every episode. And it's true. It's absolutely true. But before we get into what we're going to talk about today, we're just going to check in and see how people are doing. How are you feeling today, Am? Oh, I'm great. I'm so glad you did this today because it was on my list of things to do to send to my friends, the little list of the emojis with different colors. And it's like checking in, which one are you, right? With red being I'm great, right? And green or purple being this sucks, life sucks. And that's how you know to call your friends. So thanks for the check-in. I'm about orange, which is really good, right? On the, on the Richter scale. So that's how I'm feeling today. I'm feeling re-energized. Awesome. What about so you? What about I you? I am feeling really good myself. I'm a little bit tired because I stayed up late last night for good reason though. And mm-hmm. for me, anytime I stay up and it's for something worthwhile, I wake up the next day like it's all it's all worth it. All ready, the right yeah, things are ready falling to conquer into place. the world. I did that. <laughs> yeah, right. It's done. I did it. So I feel good about it. There's some exciting things that are coming in the future that I will hold back from our listeners for a little bit, but we'll be looking forward to sharing with them just in a couple of weeks. So, so not quite red, which is your absolute stupendous great. You're like orange, right? So it sounds yeah, like I, I'll go with that. I'm a solid orange. I haven't studied the chart, so you're going to mm-hmm. put me on the spot. Yeah. Um, I haven't studied the chart <laughs> to know which of the things I am at the moment, but I'm feeling pretty good. And the weather is breaking where I am. And I know like that's kind of cheesy to talk about weather. <laughs> it's like standard, but like it makes a big difference. It makes a big difference for me to be able to get outside and not feel like you got to, you know, take the whole house with you, including a blanket in order to be warm. So I'm grateful for that. I'm in Philly. So it's nice to have a little bit of a break, even though it's raining. I'll take rain over the frozen tundra that we were having the past couple of weeks. So, yeah, yeah. And I'm in I'm in Brooklyn, New York. So, you know, the weather's not that different. Uh, from Philly. So uh, I'm feeling good too. Yeah. Sun's not quite out yet. It's a little cloudy, but um, listen, it's not changing my orange color. We're doing good. (laughs) We're we're doing good. So guys, today we are here with a special guest, a very special guest. And um, the reason why we try to make sure we bring guests on the show is to give you guys an opportunity to hear the texture 
right? To hear like a broader perspective of what Ama and I get an opportunity to share with you, but really to add more firepower to it and to give you more examples, right? To make it a full um, perspective and picture of what we're sharing when it's tied to career. So today we have our guest, Diana Hausling, who is going to talk to us about taking calculated risk in career. And we've talked about this on previous episodes of the podcast where we just, you know, touched on it. Ama shares all of her experiences. Oh, yeah, I love it. This is my favorite. <laughs> calculated risks is my middle name. So <laughs> this is going to be one of my favorite episodes along with many of the others that we do. Yeah. So intentional calculated risk and Diana, um, and I'm going to read her bio just in a minute, just so you guys get to hear exactly how fire she really is. Um, Diana and I are really good friends. And the this episode is going to feel like a bunch of friends just like kicking it and talking about the realness um, that comes with being, you know, black women in corporate America, in entrepreneurship and in business. So this is going to be a treat for you guys. So I'm going to read Diana's bio and then I am going to ask her to share to join us in the conversation. So Diana is an award winning strategic and innovative marketing leader. Diana holds almost two decades of experience improving the financial health of Fortune 500 companies, closing gaps in product offerings, and improving corporate relationships, brand loyalty, and customer satisfaction. Diana is regarded as a subject matter expert in the areas of digital commerce, sales, retail, shopper marketing, shopper insights, and category management. I'm going to stop there, right? Because it's going to get it's going to get heavy. Like if that bio intro is not enough for you guys to know that Diana Housling is um, is all the fire. She has all the receipts and I am really excited. Oh, I'm really excited about the opportunity to hear from her today. So welcome Diana to the podcast. Well, thank you ladies. I'm very excited to bring some of that texture to the podcast today and looking forward to just chatting with you. Awesome. 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 So we're going to jump, <clears throat> jump right in. How are you feeling today, Diana? We already checked in on our feelings. How are you? Uh, definitely elevating. I'd probably say I'm a good solid orange as well, just by being able to be here with you too. Aw, thanks, Diana. This is one nice episode of orange. <laughs> feeling good, right? Yeah. No, listen, I have done this check-in with friends and they have been like, mm, I'm purple, I'm blue, which is like bottom of the bottom, like help me now, somebody throw me a life raft. So and I think we all go through days where we feel like that. And sometimes it is driven by career and the risk that we have to take. So being that you are a resident expert of the day, talking about calculated risk, let's talk about how, how, you, how you got to that orange with your calculated risk taking. So I'll let Leah take over. I'm super excited though. Diane is awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Alma. Agreed. So we're going to get in. We're going to start with some softball questions, right? Just to, you know, warm the room up. And then, you know, it's going to get it's going to get more intense. We want to make sure that your you get to share your story as you see it. But I'm going to probe, right? I'm going to give you a hard time. So just go ahead and get ready for that. Yeah. And we'll start. You know all my stories. So. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I know all your stories. I've been able to be um, an observer for quite a few of them. And I get to enjoy it um, second or third hand to be a fly on the wall in some circumstances. So we'll start with just what made you choose the path that you're on now, which is the path of digital and e-commerce. Yeah, so that's a complicated question, although it seems very simple. Um, I know the topic is risk, but I'm probably one of the most risk averse people um, that I know. And it I don't 
give off that I'm risk averse. I probably present very confident, um, very bold, um, but I am very risk averse. And so I do take a lot of time to kind of think through, that's the calculated part of the risk taking, think through my actions before I take them. Um, and then afterwards, I still have that anxiety, but I do, I'm pretty methodical about it. So for me, as I looked at my career and being, you know, I'm very much in CPG, similar to your background, Leah, growing up in CPG and different functions. And as I looked at- And for the audience, Diana, I just want to pause for a second. CPG, because I had to start remembering people who don't work in CPG don't often know what CPG. So CPG is consumer packaged goods industry for all of our listeners that are new to this industry. Yes, we're very, very acronym heavy. So I will keep that in (laughs) mind going for the alphabet game. But in the CPG industry, um, in order to break through or break out of CPG, I figured out early on that I was going to have to differentiate my skill set. So my primary focus was sales, was marketing, was a lot of those functions. And, you know, as I was thinking through, okay, how do I give myself more options, more pathways, more choices? Um, digital commerce and e-commerce presented itself as a way for me to break into any industry I wanted to break out of a very linear career path, which is traditional to CPG, but is not traditional to me. So as though, although I have worked across several very traditional organizations, I myself am just not a traditional person. Um, So I had to figure out a way to allow myself not only to excel, but allow myself to be able to um, offer my skill set in a way that would actually be beneficial to these organizations, which meant I needed to bring a more entrepreneurial approach to the work that I do every day, which in itself, in a very traditional, very traditional male, white dominated organization can be tricky to navigate. So when you say that you're not traditional, you're not a traditional person, give us a sense of what that means to you. Well, I'm a 5'10 black woman in corporate America. I have really big hair, typically pretty bright lips and really bright shoes. And the way that I think and process is very different. Uh, CPG or the consumer product good industry tends to be very homogenous. Most of these companies have been around for hundreds of years and they have a way of doing things. And I tend to look at myself and my approach as, you know, I like a good fixer upper. I always see the potential for something to be better, more efficient. I always see the angle for us to potentially go after a different audience or break, break out of a mold. And that's scary for a lot of people. So if you think about navigating risk, you're navigating the risk for yourself personally, but I also have to try to influence and make others feel really comfortable in that space where it's like, you know what, we're going to try something that you didn't do before. Like, we're going to go after a different audience. Like, we may do a partnership with Hallmark, and we're food, and that, it's going to be cool. Like, trust me, Hallmark was in vogue. It's going to be okay. Like, we can do this. So get bringing others along with you so they feel really comfortable in jumping into the deep end with you has been not only a risk for myself personally, but like, how do you get everybody else to like, you know, jump off the bridge with you at the same time? when they're very risk averse as well. So it's just been a very, it's been an interesting road to navigate, but it's also really taught me how to hone my influence skills, but also really how to center myself and go with my gut so that I can make other people feel confident to follow or to lead in a space that I know is the right way to go. 
And Diana, you mentioned uh, one of the most critical parts of that influence, right? Which is you intentionally found an area that would uh, make you a really valuable asset in a specific function that, you know, others may not have had as skilled of an expertise, right? In addition to what you already walk into the building with, walk into the room, walk into the meeting with, right? Who you are and your background, which I'm sure is different than the rest of the room, as many of us have experienced on this uh, podcast. You come with that, couple that with the specific experience, right? You know, targeted to where you see this niche area of opportunity. Now, you can have more influence and, and, and people will listen, right? Because this is all uncharted territory, which is similar to what we were speaking about uh, in the past, right? Around, you know, a lot of times these large Fortune 500, Fortune 100 legacy uh, heritage brands and companies have this system, have this way of working. And they're like, this is the way we do it because this is the way it's been working. But I think what, you know, and, and what I'm hearing you say is, when you come with everything you come with, which looks different, sounds different, right? And this area that they have no idea about because it's the future, right? It's innovative and they've never done it before. It allows you the space, the time, and really they don't quite have an, a choice, but to listen because they don't know, right? It's all new. And I uh, will have, hopefully you're going to have to keep us from going down the road of digital marketing because that is my thing. I teach digital marketing. I love digital marketing. And for me, coming from CPG, uh, consumer packaged goods industry, also in that traditional track, I had to find an area where I'm like, you know what? We're like dinosaurs. I think I said that to somebody once, you know, traditional brand manager, we're like dinosaurs. We're going to be, we're aging out. How can I start to think, like, figure out, well, what am I, where, where are we going to do next? Because this is, you know, I, I got another maybe three years before they start cutting us out of the pie because we're just, I'm sure there's robots or something that can replace us um, with how long they've been doing these processes. So, so I think everything you mentioned is really relevant and important. And even if people work in different industries that have a different acronym, right, or they have a specific different skill set, uh, it's 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 coupling those two things. Everything that makes you unique and you different coming to the table with that area that you found to be a niche um, that can help you come on, command an audience and um, and and have influence. Uh, so with that being said. We're bringing all this stuff, right? And you've done the thinking and like you said, the preparation. What would you say is something that you've done, right? Maybe it was an action you've taken, something you've said in a meeting or that gave you the most anxiety in your career. Has there been a moment in time where you can say, oh, this is the one thing I was like, ah. You know, it's funny. I, there isn't actually one thing because it's pretty much all of the ideas and concepts I bring forward. Once we had a customer describe us as a school bus racing in the Daytona, which, you know, that's for a lot of traditional CPGs, that's how they operate. So for me, it's every idea or every push that I bring forward. Typically the roles I get, I've established them myself. So a lot of the roles, they don't exist. So it's really having to carve out space. And what I found and, and how I lessen that anxiety, because I feel it every time I bring one of these things forward, I think now as I've gotten older, I'm more confident in myself. So uh, it's still there, but it's not screening. But what I found is first, as you mentioned, you know, nailing my day job. I know that I know my stuff. They know that I know my stuff. 
So because I nail my day job, that confidence factor comes in. But for me, I do a lot of pre-work, which Leah finds annoying, <laughs> but I do a ton of pre-work. Um, I work the, what I call the doors. So this COVID environment has been hard for me because typically what I am doing is walking around, working the halls. I'm talking to people, I'm checking in, I'm instilling little nuggets of confidence in them and they don't even know it because I'm just seeding the ideas that I have and bringing them along the way so that when I actually get into that room and I bring the idea forward, it's for them, it's something they've heard before. Now, if they heard it before because I'm the one who told it to them, but <laughs> it's something that they've heard before. So they're a little bit more comfortable with it. I don't just like splash cold water on their face. Yeah. So trying to really plant the seeds along the way and bring people along, that takes a lot of work. It also means that you have to have a strong and a tight net network because if you set up formal interview, formal meetings with everyone, they're ready for a formal presentation. But if you do a pop by and have a little chat about something, engage somebody's you know uh, opinion about something, you then have done the work to understand how your idea, thought, concept is going to land in the room, so you're better prepared. So a lot of what I do to kind of you know push that anxiety down is to really prep. And that's why it's, it's a calculated risk because I've done all the pre-work to prepare myself for what's going to happen when I drop that bomb. So it, it ends up not really being a bomb. So I'm prepared to manage through it. And then I, I typically have a plan B. And then there's some risks that I take where it's like, you know what? I know this is going to work. I'm just going to go ahead and do it and get my proof of concept. I'm going to do something, have my proof of concept. And, and, and it won't be huge. It'll be a small, small test. And then bring that forward and say, Hey, here's further proof that this idea is worth it and is and is gonna land. Planting seeds. We love that. We talk about that in a few of our other episodes. I can tell that you were listening, Diana, to some of our <laughs> other episodes too. Always. You guys are with me Sunday morning while I do my cleaning. Mom and Leah. <laughs> so it so you said that I hate your prep. I don't hate your prep. I'm just not good at your prep, right? You have a style <laughs> that's not my style. So when I watch an artist at work, you know, I just have to stand back and acknowledge an artist at work working the doors because I've literally seen it happen live. And you're really good at that, Leah, at saying, you know what? This is your lane. You do yep. your thing. Tag me in when you need me. <laughs> exactly. exactly. That, I, I would say that's why we're a good, um, we lead a couple things together and that's why we're a good duo because we know our lanes and we know what we're good at and we like both lean into them and they're pretty opposite, which is us, con us together is like unstoppable. Aww. Super powerful. I agree. I agree. Totally agree. So what I heard you say, I'm going to translate it into words that yes, I like to use. Diana. I heard, yeah, yeah. I speak Diana. <laughs> I heard you say that you are a disruptor, right? You are someone who is constantly evaluating what the status quo is and figuring out the way to push further past what the status quo is to really drive people to a resolution that they don't recognize they want. So as a disruptor and as that being like, it sounds like it's innate, right? And in who you are, what toll does that take on you, right? As you're taking that calculated risk, what impact does that have on your career or on you managing your own perception as you are being disruptive in these spaces when the outcomes still aren't confirmed yet? What, what, how, what impact does that have? You know, I think that impact has shifted in my mindset as I've gotten older and a little wiser. Um, in the beginning, I think it was lonely. 
to be the sole disruptor. And what I've learned, and as you grow and elevate in organizations, you can't do things alone. You have to bring people with you is I give people confidence to also disrupt with me. You know, I give people confidence to not just like vent with their friends about what's wrong with the company or what's wrong with this process, but to actually take action and let them feel empowered. I also give them visibility. So for me, what the shift has become is yes, as a disruptor, it can be lonely. You can position yourself where you become the, the resident fixer um, for the organization and you continuously get put into these roles where you're fixing things. But what I found is like there's dynamics about my personality and my ability to take a really complex problem, break it down into smaller pieces, pull the right people together and elevate and you know get it to a better position. Um, that that's a skill set that organizations truly need. You know, there are some, there are always going to be maintainers, there are going to be your builders, but to be able to disrupt and not leave everything shattered and actually build it up better than it was before is, um, is a unique skill set. And it, it does require you to be comfortable with risk, but it also requires you to be able to influence and also in, inspire other people to come along the journey with you. So it's not just about you being the disruptor and you taking all the glory and the credit. It's really around how do you create and inspire a group of people to move in a different direction and they celebrate you know, with you or they get the visibility and you're able to really drive that change. It's just really being smart about it. I think the other piece for me is also understanding when the risk only exists in my mind. Um, and that's newer for me because you know, I am very risk averse. I also present very confident. And I have that little voice in my head telling me that that wasn't a very good idea. Or do you see their faces when you said that? Or, you know, I have that, I, I grapple with that on a daily basis. And, you know, my coach Leah knows this um, because I'm where I'm getting to is really trying to realizing where it's, is it a real risk or is it just fear that's making me think that this is a risky call when it's actually the right thing to do. And I think as we're sort of taking these little, these notes and these gems that you're dropping around planting seeds and um, being calculated, uh, you know, reading the room, reading the faces and sort of getting buy-in beforehand, this is where I think that pre-work that you do really helps establishing or feeding disruptive ideas because they go hand in hand you'll know whether they're not speaking because they heard it already. So they're like, yeah, take the floor, do your thing uh, because you've done the pre-work. You know, that's such a critical part of, um, especially when ideas can be disruptive and, you know, shaking up the, the ideas in the place of it. It also refines the idea. Cause I found, you know, I, I am a subject matter expert in areas that I focus on and areas that I've worked in um, but now I'm at a point with my career where I've had, I've touched a lot of different functions, but I, you can't go as deep um, when you're at this level. So, you know, it's not just about going to like all the VPs and aligning them. When I talk about the pre-work, it's also like, I know, you know, I always have a guy or a girl that I know that is like, they know their stuff. I'm going to pressure test my idea with them. They're going to uh, refine it and make it a little bit better. I'm going to seek out um, feedback and advice from somebody who, you know, is very counter to me. 
because I need to know what my blind spots are. So part of the pre-work too is the pre-selling, but it's also like, how do you get it to a point where when you do come into the room, like it is a gem, like, you know, it's solid. And at that point, it's just really elevating it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Leah, Leah's really good at that. Yes. Being that person. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, it's so funny because now I'm like, listening to you talk and then seeing in my mind the instances where these things have happened real time and i'm like yeah yeah i remember that and like what you know by the time we got to the place it was exactly what it needed to be the other thing that i think about is your ability and when you're talking about taking risk and planting seeds your ability to influence without authority is something that i feel like we just we have to talk about the way you convince people they had no idea what they needed and here's the thing that they needed and now it's right in front of them is epic. So just talk a little bit about the way you think about influencing people when otherwise, you know, on paper, it shouldn't work. Yeah. And I typically use analogies that are relationship-based. That's really how I approach a relationship at work. It's, it's really about courting. Um, you're constantly courting people, but you're also establishing the dynamic of what your relationship will be. So, you know, and I know everybody says this, but like, I, I literally treat everyone equally. You could be the CEO or you could be somebody more junior in the organization. We're going to have the same level of transparency and candor. The other thing that I found for me is that when I have tried to emulate my peers or other folks that have, that I see, or other people would say like that person is successful. It doesn't work for me. So, you know, having, and being very direct, people know what they are going to get from me and being very candid with them, but it also creates this instant trust because when you're candid and when you're direct and you're consistently that way, you know, they know it's no BS. They know that the conversation they're having, whether they like it or not is authentic. And that actually goes a lot more, takes you a lot further than just being nice and likable. Like, I don't want to be nice. I don't want to be likable. I want to be kind and respected. And I think once you understand the difference and the dynamics between the two, and you're able to have those real conversations, then people can trust you. I think the other uh, piece that's critical is you have to have proven yourself. So you have to have the receipts. You know, I, I know for a fact that I'm exceptional at what I do and I'm not ashamed to say it. And I think for a lot of of folks that look like us, um, a lot of women, a lot of uh, diverse people don't feel comfortable saying like, I am it when it comes to this space, I'm good at what I do. And because I'm good at what I do and because I know my stuff, I can help you. I can give you feedback. I can give you advice. I can close gaps for you no matter what level you are. And I bring that to the table, especially with very senior um, leaders. Oftentimes I find with senior leaders, people tend to take a, treat them more like they're deities. You know, they look up to them, they're waiting for them to bestow their wisdom upon them and tell them what to do. They are just like us and they are actually looking for resources to help them input, to help them make smarter decisions. I like to position myself as that input. So I'm going to give you the honest, the unrose colored perspective that enables you to make decisions. And I'm even going to give you like, if I, you know, knowing what I know, I would think about it these two ways. They may or may not go with what you say, but if you're consistently positioning yourself as a go-to 
for a lot of folks, then you become somebody that can help influence and drive um, drive decision-making. And, it, and it's really about that playing that role behind the scenes that allows you to influence the biggest, the bigger picture. Yes. I love, like, listen, listen. Okay. So I'm, this is, I legit got excited. I was like, we don't just... have a bell, but we have that. <laughs> we don't have that a means bell. we just got another yes! gem. <laughs> yes. That's such a gem. And we talked about it on previous episodes where it's, where this um, portrayal of talking about your work and your results as bragging, um, humility of like, you know, I shouldn't talk about it. You know, I shouldn't let people know that I'm really good, or I should wait for someone else to tell me I'm good before I can re reciprocate and communicate about it. It's, it's not working guys. It's not working for any of us. <laughs> it's not working. It's not, let's, let's just dispel that myth right now that you have to wait for somebody else to tell you. I loved it when you said, I know my own stuff. Like I'm out here killing it for y'all. You know it too. We're here yeah. together. <laughs> like, yeah. we're, and, when you, we're... and when you have the results, right? Yes. That everyone can see. It's very clear. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What did you say? Oh, I'm sorry. Let me, let me pull out this graph. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, did you, did you check the IRI today? Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> what were you saying again? <laughs> Like yeah, the results, the results are absolutely the currency, right? You can't get into the room. You can't start these conversations. You can't, nothing, none of the other stuff can happen until you've delivered the results, but the results lead to that confidence that you're talking about. And I just, I'm just like, man, if we can just get some more people to believe in themselves, to instill confidence in themselves through the results, I mean, we could be living audacious lives out here. It could be amazing. Yeah. So it's also yeah. where you put your energy. So early in my career, in a role that I was in, I had a, a challenge, a dynamic that probably a lot of um, Black women experience where I literally felt like I had to bring my resume into every room. Like, stop questioning everything I say because like, I know what I'm talking about. You actually do not. <laughs> I do know what I'm talking about. And it got, that was so draining and taxing on me. I think where I am now, and I still work with those same people, I think now they've, after working with me for years, they see it too. It, it's harder for them to try to poke holes, but I stopped putting my energy on those individuals. If you don't see the value in what I have to say, if you want to go off and do it wrong or look broke, you do you, boo. You go over there and do that. I'm going to take my energy and my resources and my talent and my skill set, and I'm going to focus it on the willing. And that's really, you know, if you think about taking the path of least resistance, some of that has to be around how you're able to really prove your work and show it. And if you're focusing all your energy on those individuals that most likely either have bias um, or, or aren't really thinking about killing it, because if they were, they would take the expertise from any source and focus it on those. You know, I found a, a lot of coworkers that, you know, on customers or different accounts that were really open to what I had to say. So did I not work with those other people? I still worked with them, but I focused on delivering like cool breakthrough, awesome ideas with the willing. And I think that's part of what this navigation and this process of the pre-work is to say like, okay, I, I'm hitting my head against a brick wall on this side. I'm not even going to bother. I'm going to do my work and I'm going to get it done, but it's not, I'm not going to waste my really brilliant ideas with these individuals. Where I am going to do is find the folks that want to do cool stuff. And that's, that's where I'm going to go. Yeah. I mean, that's a perfect segue into um, what I wanted to make sure that the audience hears. Leo, Leo always knows that, you know, I, 
I have a lot of experience with doing all the things that we talk about on this podcast and sometimes just not getting, you know, the results that we, you know, expect or hope for. So I wanted to kind of share some of what that means, right? And, you know, when you've done all the things, uh, because I also believe in not flying against the wind, right? Let's use this current, right? To help propel us forward, right? And soar. Um, and you don't want to be that person, right? Um, whether it's in entrepreneurship, whether it's in corporate America, and you're just fighting against the wind, um, you know, use the current, right? Uh, use the trajectory of what's going, what's fueling that momentum, you know, those, those coworkers or those team members that are open, that are willing, right, to propel you and not waste your energy. And sometimes that room or that space is not the right room or space where those people exist. So you have to move, right? You have to take your talents elsewhere, right? Like LeBron says, like, I'm taking my talents to Miami. So go to Miami, you know what I mean? They're gonna love you, they're gonna embrace you, right? And um, and sometimes that's necessary because Leah has a, a saying that she says in some of the episodes, Leah, what do you say when it's, um, it's not uh, when you don't fail, you you transition, something like that. <laughs> I say you don't lose, you learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also say. Essentially, that's exactly it. You don't lose, right? You always learn. So when you, you acknowledge or you can recognize that, hey, this is not the right room that will facilitate some really great, some really great ideas. Um, it doesn't sort of arm me and help fuel the area that I know I can slam dunk this in, right? And my expertise and my skill set right now is not being fostered. Oh yes, Leah just did some sign language to tell me what it is. Rejection is just redirection, right? And um, and I really believe in that because I've ha- I've I've had a lot of experiences where I said, hmm. Okay, so how much time have I spent to myself? I said, how much time have I spent really trying to move this agenda forward in this way and, you know, tapping into people, planting seeds, and you kind of check the boxes, you do it, you give it a little time to simmer and marinate. But listen, before, you know, this really goes haywire, and I'm like that bird that's like flapping and not really going anywhere, it's time for me to take my talents to Miami. Right. And I have done that literally and figuratively. You know, right. I did. I did. I right. And I that know. was, um, you know, some of the best times in my life where they were, they, it literally was a role where they were looking for some, someone to just run it, like just do your thing. Right. And let us know what you're doing as long as you have the data to back it up. Cool. Because we have to focus on other areas. So we need, new ideas, new thinking, and let us know when you need the support, right, um, in the buy-in, and we'll, we'll back you up. And, you know, and then that's when you're sore. So, you know, sometimes it's at the place you work, sometimes it's uh, elsewhere. Uh, but, you know, uh, rejection is just uh, redirection. Well, you also have to know what rejection is. So, and, you know, I'm about to take my talents elsewhere. Yes! <laughs> I start a new role uh, next week. And, you know, for folks who probably, um, who know me and saw me in my um, last role, they were probably saying, you are not being rejected. Like, this is awesome. Like, you're in a highly visible space. You have a ton of influence. Um, You have an awesome title. You have a big team. You know, you're in a really great place. Have a, you know, clear uh, growth path in this organization going forward. But to your point, Alma, what I was feeling was, I'm... I keep giving you these ideas and 
you're not giving me the resources that I need to make the thing happen that you're communicating to everybody that you want to happen. You know, you're giving me a seat at the table and you're listening to me, but we're not really actually, you're not enabling me to accelerate the space that you want me to accelerate. So, you know, as I look at my talent and my skill set, am I learning? Am I growing? You know, or are, are, is the organization just benefiting from, the, from what they already know that I'm good at? And you as an individual have to be able to look at these situations that feel, because it felt really good. I mean, everybody's telling you, like, you're, you're amazing. We can't do anything without you. Like, you're, you're, you're killing it. But inwardly, I knew that, that I have more. I have more juice. I have more energy. I have more to give. So I started to think about the calculated risks in that situation. So, okay, what do I need to do to get out of this situation that I'm in? Knowing that, hey, it's not awful. You know, I'm, I'm in a good place. I'm really comfortable, perspective. I have a lot of authority. But how do I get out of this situation and get into a better situation? You know, how do I get out of this situation and not look back like, oh, you left a really cush gig for this? Um, so that's where I pushed myself to say, you know what, I need to start looking at my external branding, which, and Leah knows this, makes my skin crawl. The having to, like, I, again, present very uh, confident, very extroverted, but having to put myself out there with strangers, post things, network in a very, like, what I feel is like a cold calling kind of environment, um, or just do things like this, like podcasts and um, made me very uncomfortable and, and anxious, but, but I didn't anyway, you know, and I also questioned like, oh, is anybody even going to care about what I have to say? You know, do I have anything to offer in these spaces? But I pushed myself out there. I really did the work of establishing my external brand and, you know, and I opened myself up to opportunities and opportunities came flooding in. And so now I'm taking my talents elsewhere. Oh my gosh. So many good things came out of that. So the first thing that I just wanted to circle on for people is like, which is a real gem. You were comfortable, but you wanted more, right? Like, I think like people have to sit with that for a minute. It's, it's good. People are acknowledging you and, and maybe on paper to other people from the outside looking in, it's like, why would you disrupt that? But you know, innately, you knew innately you wanted more and you had more to offer. And the thing that you said that really, you know, takes me into the stratosphere was around learning. Am I learning and am I still growing? And I think that's really a part of your clear self-awareness, right? And you're like, no, this is what I have to offer. And this is what I believe I can do and I can accomplish if properly supported, if enabled um, was the word that you used. So I just wanted to highlight that for people. Taking that next opportunity and doing something that is bigger, you know, as our friend Boz says, like really taking that opportunity, like I'm out here, is something that is a calculated risk. And from the outside looking in, folks may feel like, wow, I would have never thought about it. But you knew and only you know, right, what you need and what you can deliver at this stage and phase. And I just I just applaud it. I applaud it. I applaud you saying it out loud that all of these things made you uncomfortable, you know, doing the work on your external brand, which I got to watch and be like front row for. And though it made you uncomfortable, at, at the Brazilian steakhouse where you turn your coin over and said, like, I'm ready for some, everybody was dropping off food. Everybody was like, yep, you should get this, you should get that, you should get this. And I think it's just a matter of us having a group of people, right, and a tribe that supports you and is really ready to encourage you and push you forward to say, like, 
you got the juice, right? Like, you know, you have it and you just need to hear it. Sometimes you need that community, that tribe to echo it in your ear for you to get into those spaces. And now, I mean, games are changed. Like games are changed. People's lives are influenced in a way that they were not prepared for because you made the choice to take your talents elsewhere. Well, it's a personal choice, right? Because that, this is what this is what makes us all unique. Because this risk that we take, and uh, although it may seem from the outside that you're in a great place, you know, and sometimes people think like, "What do you mean? You got a great job? You know, you got great benefits." We've you all know? been there. You got a good performance evaluation. Uh, what's, you know, what are you complaining about? You know, <laughs> and it's like, listen, this is personal for me and I know I can do more. I know I want to bring more um, to the world. And and it's it's that personal need uh, to fulfill that you can't ignore. Trust your gut. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think what was, um, and Leah knows this as well, what was telling to me or affirming is when I did put my notice in it, um, you know, they were like, well, what, it, what would it take for you to stay? And, you know, yeah, money is one thing. So that's, let's put that over here. But it really was about all of those things you just talked about, Alma. Like it really was about the entire situation and the dynamic that I was in. So I did, you know, I, I talked to my coaches, Leah and, you know, our other partner in crime. And, you know, I had my list ready. These are the things that I would want in order to stay. And they were willing to pull those things together and say like, you know, go, you have faith. We're going to do all these things for you. But then it's the question of, okay, so now that I have a better thing over here, now, now you want to come, you know, and do, do right by me. So that's why I always use relationship dynamics, because as soon as you tell that guy, girl, whoever that you're going to leave, then all of a sudden they want to act correct. Yeah, and, and be on their best behavior. Yeah, and bring you flowers and do all the things and, and show you you're valued. Mm -hmm. um, so you really have to think through for yourself, what are you actually worth? And what, what do you want out of a relationship? Because whether you're an entrepreneur or you're in corporate America, you are in a relationship, you know, with the organization that you're in. And you just need to ensure, you know, is it a toxic relationship? Is it a narcissistic relationship? Or is it one that's mutually beneficial? Because it should be mutually beneficial. Awesome. Awesome. So I totally agree with everything that you said, especially around the mutually beneficial. The other thing that I just wanted to um, have you tell the story about in this circumstance is, so you have this new opportunity and you're, the floodgates are open and people are recognizing what you can do and the, the value that you can bring to the organization when you now have these conversations with these other organizations that are super interested in what you do how do you then decide for yourself what is the best environment for me right how do i decide the environment that i think i can be the most successful in because i think that's something that people often take for granted and they focus on maybe what's on the paper and you mentioned some things that aren't on the paper right that aren't on the in the offer letter that you evaluated that helped you make the decision. So can you just talk a little bit about the things that are not written on the paper that you use to evaluate taking this next opportunity? Yeah, and I think Ama keeps pushing this. It's, it is personal to you and you have to make sure you take stock of who you are, where you, where you are and what you want, meaning where you are in your life and what you can handle and what those dynamics will play. Um, whether it's your personal life or um, some type of um, family dynamic, whatever it is. 
Um, but before you get into these conversations, again, you have to do the pre-work. I'm always about the pre-work. You really have to sit with yourself and figure out, you know, what are the things that motivate you? So I know for me, I know the three things that motiv motivate you. And I will tell you that it is often very off-putting to uh, senior white men when I say this. I found they have a very visceral reaction to it, which I think is hilarious because this is the thing that they want and have all the time. So I'm very much so motivated by power, money, and influence. Those are the things I want and, and I, I want in a role. Those are the things that you know I want to make sure that I have. Title is like fourth, but I feel like power gives you a little bit of that. Um, but that when I say that very boldly, and I do think that sometimes it's off-putting to certain individuals because they don't expect someone to look like me to say that. They want me to be humble and grateful for whatever crumbs that I have um, when I know what I actually want and deserve. So you have to be really able to take stock and feel good that you know yourself well enough to know what you need in a role. Then I, then I would also get a little bit deeper and granular about how that shows up. So for me, that was resources, not like imaginary resources, not like you can use that person and that function over there. Like these are my resources, um, you know, whether it's people, um, whether it's um, funding, um, you know, a reporting structure and, and decision-making rights. So you can have the title and you could have all of these things, but if you don't have the power and the decision-making rights, it's worthless. Um, so making sure you have that, those decision-making rights, um, the reporting structure itself. So I am less about where you report into, although there's a benefit to where you report into and more around who I report to and what does that dynamic say to my external you know, narrative, my external story. So if I were report into the president, that that's a level up that looks good. That's a great, you know, it shows that you're, you know, at a certain level, but let's say you don't report to the, the president, you report to somebody else, you know, is it a function that I didn't have on my resume before that allows me then to tell a different narrative in an interview process? Like you have to really weigh those dynamics because you don't want just money and just title to drive every decision. Cause there's more to it than that. So once you have that kind of outlined, then you're ready to get into these conversations. Because if you do it after the fact, then these things are going to really um, help uh, drive your decision making that aren't really factors that are going to make you, you know, successful in the role. So you really have to do um, that work in advance. And I would just the last thing I would say is really being thoughtful about uh, industry dynamic and your ultimate career goal. So for me, being in this digital space, if I want to stay in it, great. My next few roles, I could go all the way up in it. But if I want to break out and go into other areas, like you have to really think through, you know, the longer term path as well. And I like to call Diana Madam Vice President because, <laughs> oh, Madam Vice President, because it makes all the difference. Um, and I like to give people their title, right? When you've earned something and you've worked for something and you've done the things that deserve are deserving of it, I like to call anybody who has a PhD doctor, whether, you know, if they tell me otherwise, okay, I won't call you doctor, but until you tell me not to call you doctor, I'm going to call you doctor. So I am going to call, just like I call Ama CEO and founder, I'm going to call Diana Madam Vice President because that's what she is and General Manager. Like, let's go put, put the whole thing, Madam Vice President <laughs> the whole and title, General Manager. My whole Manager. government. All of it. Let's just go ahead and put it all out there. So that is, um, 
that is something that I like to do for people. And I just like to affirm all of everyone's gifts. And I absolutely love that we had this opportunity to hear from you today, Diana. This has been super epic um, and amazing. And I think that more people will come to the podcast and, and really feel your examples. And um, I love that you put the texture of, I'm a 510 Black woman in corporate America, figuring this out, making people uncomfortable on a day-to-day -day basis. So, and I know that's a part of your narrative, right? The way you share um, your own transparency um, and your authenticity. So my last question is, or what would you share with a woman who is coming into herself, maybe at the phases that you were maybe five, seven years ago, um, what would you share with her in order to prepare her to take the calculated risk or to bet on herself um, in the way that you've evolved into? I think the biggest thing that I would share, and I and and we've we've talked about this uh, a lot, is to you know sh show up and nail your day job. So know your stuff. You know you're not going to get it all from the organization that you're in. Find external resources. Make sure that you're you're learning and growing, and you know your space well. And once you know your space, take up space. Take up space in those boardrooms. Take up space in the conversations and feel confident in yourself and your ability. And if that room doesn't give you the energy, the air, find another room. And be confident enough to know that, you know, you can find another job, you can find another space. You, there is a place for your talents somewhere and you will be able to add value and grow and accelerate your career uh, regardless of the environment that you're in. Yeah, there's a saying that, uh, you know, as um, instructors, because uh, I had mentioned earlier that I teach digital marketing, that we say in the course, because there's a lot of students sometimes and everyone has a different personality or a different desire or driver for why they are taking the course. And something you said just reminds me of what we say, you know, um, ensure that everyone recognizes when it's their time to give space and when it's time to take space because uh, everyone is not, doesn't have the same qualities, right? Um, or same securities or feel the same level of comfort taking risks. We talked a lot about, you know, your evolution from uh, recognizing whether this is fear of the room, fear of an idea, or is this, is this actually, you know, a, a risk that is, um, is, is real versus a risk that was sort of made up in, in your own mind. So I think, this has been a wonderful conversation. I think there was a lot of gems that were um, not only dropped, but I mean, we kind of like marinated in the sand, right? Like we, like we, we kind of like dropped some gems and then picked them back up and then dropped them down harder because sometimes that's what you have to do. It's like that amplification, that rumble, that ripple effect is really so, um, so that everyone can really see it, hear it and feel. And I think that uh, I'm really just happy and proud to be in this virtual room with the both of you, right? Because this is still COVID times. Yes, <laughs> uh, because, you know, Leah and I host this podcast, um, but I'm, I love collaboration. Like I love feeding off of other people. I think it always leads to better ideas, validation, things that make you feel better, do better, um, and, um, you know, take the space that we all deserve. So just to recap, for the audience, um, I think we covered some really great stuff. But uh, first, you touched on 
really just establishing your worth and value, right? In order to be able to drive influence, recognize what you walk into the room with, walk, recognize what you know you can refine and recognize the area, especially if it's that niche area that no one else is really tapping into that you can take on and um, become an expert in that so that you can say, I know my stuff. Right. And everyone else starts to recognize that in the room as well. And that allows you to drive that influence, you know, and then you talked a little bit about the pre-work that you do. I think that was a thread that we wove throughout the entire episode of the pre-work. I translate that to planting seeds. I'm listen, I'm a cereal plant seeder. And I think that that was the second gem that um, I always encourage people. Maybe it's biased, but planting seeds helps you get across the finish line so much easier, right? Why put all the effort into that one moment, that one uh, formal presentation, that formal meeting to close the deal, right? When you have opportunities ahead of time to just, you know, get a sense of, you know, direction, buy-in and, you know, just planting those seeds. Uh, and uh, recognizing that sometimes you have to disrupt the environment. Uh, and there's some risk that comes along with that, right? There's some risk with the ideas that you bring to the table. There's some risk with just being who you are. And there's a risk with, be with being a disruptor. Um, but we all have talents, right? And um, don't fly against the wind, right? Use the wind to help you soar. And sometimes when it's time to take your talents elsewhere, that's okay because you're soaring, right? To that next opportunity, uh, whether it's internal, external, or even as an entrepreneur, you know, looking at other opportunities uh, and understanding that it's really personal. I would say that would be the fourth point, right? This is personal to you, to your individual needs, to your individual wants, um, to your area of, of expertise and desires. And only you can do that assessment. Only you know what fuels you, what drives you and um, the things that matter most to you. And ultimately after you've done those other things, that's what you need to really be grounded in. Um, you know, when you decide on the type of calculated risks um, that you take. How'd I do? Did I, did I sum that up pretty well? <laughs> yeah, I think you hit it perfectly. You know, I would just add, don't give your power away. Don't dim your, dim your light, you know, feel com confident in your power. But mm -hmm. I want to thank you ladies for lending me your platform. I always say that um, whenever I'm given an opportunity um, to build and develop my brand. So I greatly appreciate that. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, you know, I think you added really great value and I'll let Leah sort of just close us out. Yeah, this has been, you know, you guys will get to be really clear on the fact that I love this work, but I also love both of you. So being able to spend this time together and talking about this topic and allowing our listeners to really get all that you guys have to offer. We just scratched the surface. Like I, I feel like there's so much more that we could do. So we're gonna end it here and I'm okay with that, but I could go on forever just listening and telling these stories because it is um, affirming to me and to my own gifts, to each of you and your gifts. And I think it gives great representation to our listeners. So sometimes it's a matter of, I don't know, I've never seen anyone do these things, or I don't know someone directly that has had these kinds of experiences and come out um, 
come out unscathed, who's experienced rejection and then taken it to a redirection place and then still did better, took their talents to South Beach and really nailed it. So thank you so much, Diana, for sharing your own story today. And I believe that it's going to really inspire someone who otherwise may not have had the opportunity. So it is um, an absolute gift. So thank you so much for taking the time with us. And we will see you guys next time. Thanks for riding with us. Bye, guys. This was Amma Gordon and Leah Murphy. Thank you so much for listening. We hope this episode gave you some real gems that you can use on your own career journey. Come back for the next episode and be sure to follow us on social at Gems for the Journey on Instagram and Career Gems for the Journey on LinkedIn. You can also email us at info at gemsforthejourney.org with any questions or comments you may have.